Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. Have you seen the uh, eclipse today? I mean, any of you? I just a buddy of mine down in Nashville just sent me a picture, and I just tweeted it out. It's it's so beyond amazing when you see it from uh, that perspective. I actually went out with my little cup and uh, a piece of paper. Why are you all laughing at me? And we we come to you from our new hidden palatial studios today. It's sort of it's not quite the Mark Levin bunker, but it's you know we've uh, we've taken real strong security precautions now and uh we are now in a place that could never be found in a million years uh you got to admit that this is a a 
a, a pretty dungeon-like place at this point. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza, be a part of the program here today. we got a lot coming up. All right, what do you do about this Senator Nadal that is uh, calling for the assassination, hoping the president gets assassinated? Uh, we'll get to that in the course of the program. We're going to talk about the Boston rally in particular this weekend and the way some people have reacted to some of my tweets on it and, and the president's tweets on it. And I, I just think you're missing the point dramatically. And uh, so we'll get to that today. And uh, we have an update on Senator Grassley is now saying what we have been saying, that we can't have a, you know, we have to have equal justice under the law. We can't have a dual justice system. You can't have one bit of justice for the Clintons and laws just for the Clintons and then laws for the, the rest of us. So we'll get into uh, all of that in the course of the program today. Um, you know, it's it's pretty amazing. <clears throat> well, right now in New York, it's about 35 percent. When you, Here's what you do with the eclipse. It's, I know it's probably late for a lot of you, but you take a, a cup, you put a hole in it, and then you have a piece of paper. You're not supposed to look directly at it, I'm, I'm sure, because otherwise it can hurt your retina. Um, I'm sure some people will be doing it and say, ah, it's fine, and not listen to uh, those that warn you against it. But I, I wouldn't recommend it. But anyway, so we did it, and it was just a, maybe a little sliver, and then it went up to, to about yeah, 35% maybe coverage. But my friend in in Nashville, they got 100% coverage. I just tweeted it out at Sean Hannon if you want to take a look at it. I'm sure there'll be pictures all over the place if you want to look at that today. I don't think this happens again for how many hundred years. It's just, I mean, if you <clears throat> use a telescope, cameras, and, you know, protective glasses, obviously they have those. There are a bunch of viewing spots in different places from Oregon to South Carolina. And Nashville in particular was a, a good day, good place to uh, watch this from what I understand. Um, but anyway, some people are up and is treating this like this is the end of time. And I would remind them that no hour does any man know at that hour that it's going to, in fact, occur. But there's different maps out there. If you, if you kind of missed your time, I can't help you. Um, but hey, this doesn't happen, obviously, very often. The moon has not shown this much shade on the U.S. since 1918. Uh, that was the country's last coast-to-coast total eclipse. The U.S. mainland has not seen a total or total solar eclipse since 1979, and even then, only five states in the Northwest. Well, let me see. I got to get this right here. Well, it, only five states in the Northwest experienced total darkness. Now, scientists said today the total eclipse cast a shadow. It would race through 14 states, entering near Lincoln City, Oregon, at 1:16 Eastern Daylight Time, moving diagonally across the heartland over Casper, Wyoming, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, which is the picture my buddy sent me, and then uh, exiting near Charleston, South Carolina, which just about happened a few minutes ago, so that's probably the end of that. Uh, but anyway, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool, and you see people getting out there, and you have these solar eclipse parties I think people have been having. It's been somewhat, you know, hazy in New York at this particular time. All right, so I want to go to this weekend, and I want to go to what the events in Boston, if I can, for a little bit. And I saw all of what you saw this weekend. I, I saw a lot of, uh, I saw a number of people that were protesting. And they were, you know, in the thousands. I, I think one estimate said 15,000. I'm not good at crowd estimates, so I'm not getting into that stupid argument that comes up every time. It's neither here, it was an overwhelming crowd. And the president tweeted out this week, and I want to applaud the many protesters in Boston who are speaking out against bigotry and hate. Our country will soon 
come together as one. Now, I I was out a lot of Saturday, and I did some catching up. I guess it was early Sunday morning. I, I had to get up super early on Sunday, and then I got up even extra early, and I, I just started looking at social media, pulling up the things that I had missed the day before, and I sent out a couple of tweets on my own. I said, amen. You know, the overwhelming number of peaceful protesters yesterday speaking out against hatred make America proud, great, and strong. And I've been saying it all in the last week, and I've said it my whole career, you know, that all week Americans find racism and white supremacy evil and repugnant. And people peacefully speaking out against evil is a good thing. And I I will say this. I am annoyed at some people and their reaction to it for a lot of different reasons. Because one of my big arguments last week about President Trump and the press conference he held on Tuesday, I went through a entire history of him over the years so many different times again and again and again. Hang on. Saying there that he finds such, he even said it on Saturday of when the Charlottesville issue came up. And he said it many times in the course of last week. And he said it many times over the course of the campaign. And he said it many times over the years as as we went back and we actually got a history of it all. And we did what the media wouldn't do. And that's actually give context and texture to everything that was said. And what really frustrates me is that when you have the media that has a narrative, the media narrative, they, they never, ever want to go against what their narrative is. And I pointed out every two to four years, you get this false narrative. Republicans, you're like them black churches are going to burn, according to the Democratic Party of Missouri, a radio ad that they had run, or the 2000 James Byrd ad, or all the things that we played last week. And if Donald Trump ever invited a group that had chanted, what do we want, dead cops, when do we want them now, to the White House, you know what the media reaction would be. But that was the case of Barack Obama. Uh, that those groups leaders were invited to the White House. And by the way, when you listen to the tape, it was it was like shouting and a huge crowd chanting. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want it now? It wasn't just small. But what it drives me insane because liberals, the left in this country, they they every single election year try to divide this country. Al Gore screaming you know, with a different tone and a different cadence before a predominantly African-American audience. Uh, Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't want to count you in the census. Really? Or the things that Hillary said. And I've got examples of Obama. Then I got Hillary, and I got Bill Clinton saying the Obama campaign played the race card against him. It's neither here nor there. It is, it is their 101. It is what they do every single solitary election season. Republicans are racist, sexist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, on and on and on. And if you look right now at the Democratic Party, look, I'm the first to say Republicans got a mess on their hands. And they've literally got September, October, November and a couple of weeks in December to, to turn this around and get their act together and do their job and keep their promises. So they've got a they got a mountain of work ahead of them. And look, with the president getting rid of regulations, that's a great start. President opening up energy, that's a great start. The president's executive orders, that's a great start. Uh, Neil Gorsuch is a great start. They had a great fail on Obamacare uh, and repeal and replace. But they better get the economy right because that is exactly what impacts 
the Americans in Wisconsin and in Michigan and Ohio and in Pennsylvania and North Carolina and Missouri and, and Florida and every other state in between. And if you don't get those jobs, although the president has done a good job enticing companies, corporations to build their factories back here and, and not outsource them to other countries. But I'm going to say this. Now, I don't look, I'm not going to venture a guess what the political views are of the people in Boston. We know it's a pretty liberal state. I lived on the Massachusetts border for five years when I lived in Rhode Island. It's a beautiful, beautiful city, Boston, I got to tell you. And it's a fun place. And I loved going there and I love the people there. I just hate their baseball team. And because I'm a Yankee fan and putting that aside and I don't like their hockey team either. Just saying. But if somebody is going to speak out against racism, hatred, and bigotry, which is what they say they were doing there, I'm putting aside because I, I honestly, I didn't even see. I could, I looked through everywhere I could, and I didn't even see what was said at, quote, the free speech rally. And I was told conciliatory things were said there. I didn't see it, so I can't comment on it intelligently. And and I got somebody that I know and like and respect actually said the same thing to me. But putting that aside, the people there, they were speaking out against something that is insidious, something that is evil, something that is uh, literally it goes against the foundation of what good, decent, honorable, conscience bearing human beings believe And that is that racism and bigotry and hatred and white supremacy is wrong. As the president has said over the course of his life in the course of the campaign, and as he said multiple times last week, the media doesn't want to hear that part. If he doesn't say it exactly, exactly right, they're going to jump on him. And here's the best part about the people in Boston. They did it. The 99 percent did it peacefully. The 99% did it respectfully. The 99% by being peaceful and respectfully, they did it effectively. And for that, they deserve to be applauded. There were certain incidences that I saw on social media that really impressed me. At one point, there was a kid, I'm pretty sure it was a minority. I don't remember. It's a human being. You know, let's, identity politics has never been my thing because we're all Americans. But anyway, so... A young kid has a Make America Great hat again, walking through a crowd of the protesters. And there's some people that started to give this young man a hard time. And then the overwhelming majority of other protesters, hey, knock it off. Leave this guy alone. And and no violence. Leave him alone. And they're like adamant. There were other occasions where I saw that. There were some people Now you did have the clashes with the police, the Antifa people. And I believe, according to all the reports, some Black Lives Matters. But they were a tiny percentage. They, they were there. They wanted trouble. They confronted the police. And what an amazing job the Boston police did. And what an amazing job the Boston mayor did. And it shows that you can have people protest for a right cause, do it peacefully and do it effectively. And then you've got, you know, there was one incident where, you know, somebody was escorted by police to be protected from some of these Antifa people. We got Antifa people cursing out some Trump supporters. So that that all happened. You got an Antifa person 
uh, yelling at a, a black female officer. You're supposed to be on our side. And we got some of the sounds of Antifa. Hang on, guys. Hang on one second. We'll get to that later. And I'm just saying to you, that wasn't the 99%. That 1% went there for trouble. The police handled it perfectly. The city handled it perfectly. And the 99% stood up for what's right peacefully. I think that makes America greater, America stronger. And that is, if you have a conscience and a soul, you agree with the notion that we're all God's children in that sense. And that we really are all Americans. And that um, it doesn't matter if you're a liberal or a conservative or a Republican or Democrat. When you see racism, hatred, white supremacy, you should speak out. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. 800-941-SEAN. And I thought the president did the right thing. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN. May have little minor glitches today across the Sean Hannity Show network as we uh, have built a, a brand new palatial hidden studio that uh, will never be told where we are. Ever. Everybody's sworn to secrecy and non-disclosure and confidentiality about where the studio is. Right, Linda? Everybody, nobody's allowed to mention a thing. And then yeah, there's no, big it's, penalties. It's, it's quiet, and, you know, we're keeping it quiet, and I even put a fake address <laughs> in my signature on my email. Oh, oh wow. Is that true? Uh, now you're yeah, really Yeah, I'm being, going super covert. You're going covert and stealth. I'm, I'm enjoying that. Just keep uh, it I got a story to tell about Linda later in the program today. I think that everybody's going to enjoy, and I had to, I had to, get her in trouble over the weekend and i'll explain what that means later um you know the, look how bad things are when people just don't have an ability to understand how to protect people you know comrade de blasio in new york other top new york city officials were busy focusing on you know they were removing confederate statues all right fine do what you want i said it's a local issue etc most of these statues by the way were put up memorials were put up by democrats and i'll get to that later Shootings and stabbings in New York City now skyrocketing again this weekend. And the carnage kicks off Friday night in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. And you got a native Texan who recently moved from Cypress Hills to Greenpoint because he thought it would be safer. Stabbed to death Friday night by a stranger in his new neighborhood. His wife watching in horror. And that was only the beginning of, you know, what is, I guess, a normal weekend in Chicago. And uh, it literally began, I guess... Let's see, we have shootings in in Harlem and other parts of New York, 3rd Avenue in New York, Uh, Jamaica, you have all this uh, this violence, Uh, you've got Long Island City involved, 100th Street, the Bronx, all of this, you know, then you got an an Italian tourist shot in broad daylight yesterday, Sunday, when he got lost and wandered down apparently the wrong street. Um, If we don't focus on the forgotten men and women in this country, it will be the biggest colossal political fail in our country's history. concern for our country, always honoring our servicemen and servicewomen, and standing up for liberty every day. 
All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Linda, when when do you want me to tell the story about me ratting you out this weekend and winning? I think you should wait as long as you can because I know it annoys you. <laughs> it doesn't annoy me. I won. It no, absolutely... you didn't win. If I make you wait to tell the story, it's irritating. So that's a little bit of a win. For no, me. no, 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 no. I got I got a lot of news that I got. I think the, you didn't get irritated, which I think shows a good time. Uh, everybody on my staff had to work really hard this weekend, and uh, you know what's the first thing I said? I want to give everybody an extra couple of days off because of all the work that you did this weekend. Didn't I say that today? Yes, you did. It was the first thing you said when you came in today. Thank you very much for all your hard work. You even sent an email last night. I I did because I knew how hard every we got the new studio up and running and with just minor tiny baby little glitches, which is always hard when you move move to a new studio. I always expect trouble when it's a new studio. Trouble trouble is following us. (laughs) No, it just is what it is. You just if you don't if you come in and you're expecting everything to work perfectly in a new studio, you're out of your mind. It's never going to happen. And you got to work out the kinks, and it happens over, you know, course of a week, and then you just never have a problem usually again, or very rarely. Um, so we have more on the issue of, of statutes, et cetera, and memorials. Um, has anybody asked the question, how many of these statues, memorials, et cetera, have, uh, have or put up over the years by Democratic Congresses, Congresses and state legislators? And, you know, I mean— you know, the president did raise a very good question. Where does it end? You got 57 schools and and highways and in the West Virginia legislature, you got this big statue of, of memorial of Robert KKK Byrd, Hillary's mentor. Um, is that going to get taken down the former Klansman? It just I, I just think it's raising interesting issues. And uh, we saw over the weekend that, uh, well, I guess it was later in the week last week, Baltimore's mayor called for the removal of four Confederate war monuments and carted them away in the dead of night. And apparently there was a headline today in the Hill, Christopher Columbus statue smashed in Baltimore is a 225-year-old monument commemorating Christopher Columbus, vandalized early Monday amid the nationwide debate on removing Confederate statues and monuments. And a video that was posted on Monday shows the monument being smashed Two unidentified people taping a sign that says the future is racial and economic justice on the monument. You have uh, the Florida cop killer. This was in Kissimmee. If you were watching the news at all last week, our thoughts and prayers go out to these the families of these brave men and women that are on the front lines defending all of us every day. But the guy allegedly ambushed and, and killing two Kissimmee police officers Friday night is a self-professed member of an extremist group who appears to be upset by the events in Charlottesville last week. And he was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the killing of Officer Sam Howard and Matthew Baxter. And he allegedly opened fire on the officers before they could even draw their service weapons. He ambushed them. He fled, was arrested a few hours later, and his recent Facebook post shows huge anger towards police officers and President Trump and Uh, people that are white, as well as frustration over the events in Charlottesville. And, um, you know, the Daily Caller has a full write-up on him today. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking, you know, that goes to the what do we want dead cops, when do we want them now thing. How did did Decray McKesson, one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter, this is loud when you listen to the second one in particular, Pigs in a Blanket, and then listen to... What do we want, dead cops? What do we want them now in particular? I want you to listen to the sound of the crowd size with that. Pigs in a blanket, brown 
hear the size of that crowd? That's a little scary. How do you get an invitation being a part of that group or associated with that group and imagine the reaction if it was a similar radical group like that and one of the leaders of the group gets invited to the Trump White House? In Texas, Breitbart has a story, a Texas man arrested for attempting to blow up a Confederate statute. And so far, there's been no reaction from Democratic state police, I guess. Houston police officials arrested a young man for allegedly attempting to plant explosives at the Confederate statute Sunday night. FBI officials confirmed the suspect is connected with an ongoing FBI investigation, an investigation of a house that's near Rice University and. A special agent told reporters Monday in Houston that this individual is now in custody and charged with attempting to maliciously damage, destroy property, receiving federal assistance. Kind of scary. We're living in very, very divided, scary times. And and that's why I thought Boston was so key. When 99 percent of people want to march peacefully for a cause that they believe in, and I think a cause that is just against racism and bigotry. Um, I, I'm, Linda's in my ear. I told you I didn't see the, there was no TV station that I saw that actually aired. I under, from what I understand, there were like 15 people at the free speech rally in Boston. There was nobody there. And apparently I, I, the one person that I saw a clip of said all lives, black lives, every life matters. That's all I saw from the speech that allegedly took place. I can't comment intelligently on it. And people saying, Hannity, you don't know everybody that was there. There were good people. or I don't know because I didn't see it. Um, and uh, and I, the networks didn't run it. So I'm, I'm just giving you the what so I can't talk about something I don't know. Um, and I, I'm going to try and pull it up online, see if I can find it somewhere. The chief architect. Well, let me give you another thing. So we have an update on this Missouri. We have a lieutenant governor of Missouri on today. The state senator, Marie Chappelle Nadal who hoped for the assassination of President Trump, that she wouldn't even apologize for this. And she posted, apparently, according to Jim Hoff picked this up from ABC News, they reported on a story, and the St. Louis Dispatch reported on a story, quote, Missouri State Senator Marie Chappelle Nadal, Democrat, University City, posted a comment in a Facebook conversation Thursday morning, hoping that she she hopes that President Trump will be assassinated. That's since been removed. And she confirmed to the dispatch that had been written in response to another commentator, I guess, online. And before she deleted this, she tweeted out a Holocaust threat, according to the Free Beacon, uh, to the the Jewish governor, Edward Greitens, I guess is his name. And and they reported that she retweeted a Holocaust-themed tweet on Thursday in reference to the Missouri Jewish Republican governor. And Chappelle Nadal, the state lawmaker, recently wrote she hoped Donald Trump would be assassinated. Wow. Um, Now, there's going to be a push to get her out of the state legislature. We'll see where that ends up with. There is a Blaze article today how Antifa of Boston on social media blogging out about being communists and anarchists. And apparently there's a social media page Uh, that the Blaze reports belonging to the Antifa faction in Boston, bragging about being anarcho-communist, an anarcho-communist group bashing patriotism. And uh, it's been widely rebuked, rightly online. Let's get one thing clear. Antifa is an 
anarcho-communist cause. Those on the left who call us patriots step the blank away, the group tweeted Saturday with an image of a burning American flag. And uh, then you have, you know, some other things that they have there. This comment came as thousands of people gathered, again, the 99% of the people that, that were peaceful. And I know people, I, I'm just trying to understand. And then it said, let's see, we got this here. Um, one guy, apparently, there was on, there was a video on Twitter that Linda sent me over the weekend. Antifa attacking a Trump supporter. And there were people that stood up and said, hey, leave this guy alone. Just like the kid that was walking through a crowd and somebody knocked this kid's Make America Great hat off again. And uh, it ended up, you know, the people around him say, hey, knock it off. No violence. So I thought those people deserve a lot of credit because they were being true to their, you know, being peaceful. Um, But there were these protesters and you saw what they did. They clash with the police. They clash. You know, there was one story this weekend, uh, literally. I mean, we got some of this audio that we'll play later in the program today. But, you know, you've got somebody standing up to a a black female police officer in Boston. You're supposed to be with us. Um, I'm I'm like, and they're pushing and shoving and pushing and shoving and trying to provoke the police. And the police are trying to push them back. I got to tell you, when, when you see policemen and women that do their job well, like they did in Boston under very difficult circumstances, it should make every cop proud of their profession because they kept everybody in the city safe. All weekend. Peaceful protesters, they got to do their thing. Those that were trying to agitate, the small, tiny percentage of people, they didn't get away with what they probably came there for, which was trouble. And the police showed incredible professionalism, discipline, strength. It's it's an amazing job that they did, and I I don't know if they're ever going to get enough credit for it. And it goes for the Boston mayor. I don't even know the guy. But I saw him out there and telling people, be peaceful, be peaceful, and they were. Um, and, and even worse, I mean, there's other stuff out there. There was, uh, you know, a bunch of other articles that were out there. There's lists of people who are involved in Antifa and, uh, we may deal with that at a different point. Do we have the CNN daily beast guy, Matt Lewis, Trump voters or asses and a bunch of idiots. Did you get that Linda? It was print. Okay. CNN commentator, daily beast columnist, Matt Lewis says president Trump's voters are asses and an endorse a full throated attempt. To primary Trump with someone like Ben Sass, a never Trumper. Ben Sass isn't going to win a single vote if he runs against Donald Trump. That's my take. As as we stand today, it's not even going to be close. There was a conflict also in in Dallas over the weekend that took place. Um, I do think there are questions that need to be raised. Now, granted, Boston had more time than Charlottesville. But there are a lot of things that Terry McAuliffe said that just turned out being flat out false. The governor of, of Virginia, of the Commonwealth, he was saying, oh, there's, they were outgunned and outarmed us. I, I've, I've seen no video evidence or any evidence except the sticks that some people had. That's not outgunning, outarming. And then he had reported that there were guns all over the city. Well, one of the police representatives, well, disputed that myth also and said, no, we didn't find. We did our normal sweep of places to make sure that there weren't weapons or weaponry placed in locations near and around where the 
conflict was scheduled to take place or the protests were scheduled to take place, but no, there weren't any, there wasn't anything we found. Now, I'm going to tell you this because I think this is really key. Um, you've got Mitch McConnell now that has an 18% approval rating, 18%. And you have Congress at the lowest approval rating they've ever hit. And the Democrats, by the way, their fundraising has now hit a 10-year low. So it's not like people are engaged with the Democrats either. And the Democrats think they can just hate the president, hate the president, hopefully hope and pray and pray and hope that Russia, Russia comes through. Well, that didn't work, so now they moved on to racist, racist. And then they're going to move on to something else because they don't want the president to succeed. But what they're not doing, and this is the secret formula for any political party, and I'm disgusted with with a lot of the Republican Party right now. If the, the secret sauce is going to be who is going to fight and get the things in this country done that's going to help the people of this country. Now, nine days after Charlottesville, the president's approval rating is around 40 percent. Real clear politics average. Now, that's a, after a week of solid, nonstop, wall-to-wall negative coverage. And if you compare that to Obama's approval rating in August of 2009, and after a full seven months of media fawning and gushing praise against Obama, well, Gallup had Obama's approval rating at the same point at 42%. So it's about the same as where Obama's were. That's why all these people making political predictions for the future, they don't know what they're talking about. The secret sauce is who is going to get the economy moving. The secret sauce is going to be who's going to help create jobs. The secret sauce is going to be who's going to focus on people on food stamps and poverty and out of the labor force. The secret sauce is going to be will Republicans keep their promises. And at this point, it's simple. They need tax cuts for the middle class, corporate tax cuts so they'll invest in infrastructure that they'll invest in in factories and manufacturing centers the secret sauce is going to be the millions of high-paying career jobs in energy the secret sauce is going to be the trillions repatriated from multinationals because you, you basically let them in for a very low rate money they parked overseas the secret sauce is going to be keeping your promise on building the wall which so many people wanted and why this is delayed i don't know and it's frustrating The secret sauce is going to be, okay. you failed on Obamacare. You better start chipping away at it step by step and providing choices and options that work for people that lower their premiums and offer them better health care choices. Now, why do I say it's the secret sauce? Because if the Republicans don't do it, they're going to lose in 2018. And it's a little over a year away. If they do do it, they will have huge political benefits and huge benefits at the in 2018 and shocked the country. Wow, they kept power. Wow, they gained seats in the Senate. If they don't do it and the Democrats step up and become a party other than hating the president and they offer an agenda that would work and help people, well, then they would take advantage politically and help the country. The answer, the secret sauce, is helping the country. That's the answer. It's not that complicated. 
The last thing he's got to do, I mean, I'm being very candid here, is um, he's got to quit stepping on himself. Uh, he had a very good infrastructure press conference the other day, and then he stepped on it, blew it, guaranteed that it wouldn't get covered. Uh, that's, just, that, that's like a quarterback who goes out and throws the ball down for the other side and fumbles on the first play of every, of every possession. Uh, he's got to be more disciplined, and he's got to work as part of a team, and then I think generally he could end up being a remarkably great president. All right, that was New King Rich earlier today on uh, Fox and Friends. I want to first go back to this weekend and what the, the president tweeted out, which I thought was uh, pretty incredible here, which is he said, I want to applaud the many protesters in Boston who are speaking out against bigotry and hate, and our country will soon come together as one. And uh, he had some other things that he tweeted out as well. New King Rich now joins us. You know, there's a couple of things about last week that I think you're right. Everything that he said about infrastructure, nobody heard a single thing, not one word, because he got into the press conference and the the media was just ready to pounce. The media, in fairness to President Trump, he has said over the course of his career many, 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 many times that he disavows, finds repugnant racism, Duke and the Klan and everybody else, but nobody seems to want to hear it or the context. I thought he gave a great speech on Monday about it, and then he tweeted this out over the weekend. Uh, we, you know, conservatives are always falsely maligned as racist and bigots, and I resent it because it's not true. And even though the president has said this over the many years, that doesn't stop the false narrative. But with that said... The 99 point whatever percent of protesters this weekend were peaceful and they should speak out against racism and bigotry. As the president said, I thought that was the right message to send. Yeah, I I think that the challenge for the president is that 95 percent of what he does is right. Um, And he forgets that he's faced with opponents who hate him. And so anything, anytime he gives them an excuse, they're always going to pivot to the thing that they want to focus on. Uh, it's, uh, I always tell people, leading at this level is like a sailboat. It's not like a powerboat. You don't you don't have enough energy to be able to drive your way through the system. And so you've got to look around. You got to figure out, you know, what what I have to do to keep moving forward despite the wind and despite the waves and what have you. And the challenge you've got is that these are active opponents. You know, Trump Trump is such an extraordinary challenge to the traditional establishment, that they're never going to give him a break. Now, that doesn't mean we ought to whine about it or feel bad about it. He is earning their hostility. I mean, if you think about it from where you and I come from, in terms of what we were hoping would happen, this is the guy we wanted. This is the guy standing up to the, you know, when you start to drain the swamp, all the alligators try to bite you. Uh, But that's actually a tribute to Trump, that he's actually doing things that I have never seen, not even Reagan in my lifetime, had the nerve to to be as tough and as direct as Trump has. But what that means is he has the most hostile opposition of any president in modern times. I think only Andrew Jackson and Abraham Lincoln had the the scale of hostility that, that he is now facing. And so he's got to design his presidency to take advantage of that reality and to operate within a framework of that reality. You know, and I I do agree. For me, at this point, I I see 12 weeks ahead, well, maybe a little bit more, but about 12 weeks for the Republicans to get their act together, get the job done. Uh, I share the same concern that we spoke about last week, that they they may be going too big trying to get 
the tax cuts, which are desperately needed to stimulate the economy and tax reform all done at the same time. And you're saying just, you know, get the middle class tax cuts, get the corporate tax, get repatriation, uh, make some fundamental changes to the tax code, get rid of the double taxation, the death tax, a few things like that. But it doesn't have to be the big enchilada because just those things alone with energy independence and the millions of career jobs that it would create, that's going to do a lot for the forgotten men and women that have been left behind. Exactly. And then I think it's important to recognize that the country is very hungry for effective leadership. And and they uh, correctly tend to place most of the blame for what's happened so far, not on the president, but on all the folks who've not been able to deliver up till now. Uh, So I think, you know, he still has a pretty deep, on his side among the people elected him, he has a very deep well of support for what he's trying to do and people who will give him extra opportunities to get the job done. And in that sense, I still think there's a lot that can be done. But he's got to become more stable. He's got to become somebody that his own team can rely on without looking over their shoulder and wondering what he's up to. And that's that's why I thought the uh, performance was so destructive on the infrastructure press conference, because here he had his whole team lined up. He'd given his statement. If he had walked off and allowed his team to actually answer infrastructure questions, they'd have gotten a very nice story, and it would have worked very, very well. Uh, instead, the team is standing there watching him go off again in a totally unscripted way that has to rattle them. They have to think, wait, but what am I signing up for here? And that's why I think it's a challenge. Yeah, no, I mean, from what I understand from people around the president, he did not plan on doing that press conference. But I guess, you know, they started firing questions at him and he felt that he needed to defend himself. Meanwhile, I thought on Monday he had given a a pitch perfect, cadence perfect response to the insanity over the weekend. But when you have a media and you have Democrats and everyone screaming racism, 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 and they don't look over the context of his life, nor do they look at the, they won't even report basically on the tweet he sent out yesterday. And I know it angered some conservatives that were feeling, hey, whoa, 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 well, you know, there were some, you know, angry protesters there, but the 99% were there to protest hatred and bigotry. And every conservative I know, including the, the history of this president in his life, should Shows him doing the exact same thing. That's right, and, and I think you know we, we'll whether I think we'll we'll work our way through some of this. And frankly, the left just can't help themselves. I mean, they they, they go. If you'll notice recently, we had a, a Catholic saint whose uh, statue was defaced in California. We had Abraham Lincoln who was defaced in the Chicago. Uh, the, the, the the folks who are going down. You know, once you go down this this road of let me rewrite history. Uh, there's no natural stopping point. And I think in that sense, the left, you know, when you have, you have Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, why, why don't we start taking statues out of the Capitol? Well, if we take Nancy's version this week, then whose version do we take next week? Well, then and, I guess why do we it's it never going to end. Well, I assume the 57 schools and roads and, and in the West Virginia State House, all the, the different things that are named after Robert Byrd will be next. I'm just guessing. That would be a good start, well, right? He's and, a former and, Klansman. And Woodrow. And Hillary's well, and mentor. Woodrow Wilson. I mean, how, how many different things? The Woodrow Wilson Center is a government-funded center. I mean, named for a man who uh, in many ways resegregated uh, and, and did, undid the work that the Republicans had done. I have, by the way, a question for our audience. <clears throat> I've been trying to find, are there any statues relating to Confederate soldiers 
put up by a Republican jurisdiction? Or I don't in know fact, what. is every single thing is every single thing they're upset about something Democrats did? Well, I, it really, you know, when I tried last week to give some historical context, the left went nuts too. You know, and, and when you tell people that, well, the former Klansman was Hillary's mentor, and the former segregationist that signed on on the Southern Manifesto, well, that was Bill's mentor. And when you tell them that Al Gore's father voted against the the Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, and and Hillary's mentor filibustered the Civil Rights Act, you know, people don't know those simple moments in history, and and. Like, wow. And then people, when you talk about it and you reveal it and they understand it, they begin to realize, you know, everything that I say. Every two and four years, Democrats will play the race card, and I've got all the ads over the years to prove it. Well, and, and when you put it that way, of course, you have to remember a lot of these people don't know anything. I mean, a lot of the folks who are out there chanting on the left have never studied history, have absolute contempt for the United States, don't actually know anything. And it's in that context that we're supposed to take them seriously. Uh, and I think, well, that, but you do have organized groups like Antifa. You know, I, 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 for example, pointed out why would a sitting president invite the head of a group that chanted "What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now?" to the White House? That's what Barack Obama did. I mean, if, if you take any of these individual incidences or him rushing to judgment and being wrong in Florida, Trayvon Martin, and being wrong in Ferguson and being wrong in Baltimore and being wrong in Cambridge. And he's an attorney and he rushed to judgment without any facts, testimony, evidence presented. I just think it was wrong. Trump tried to say I was trying to wait for the facts to come in. Well, of course, you know, if if you're going to start getting down to waiting for the facts, you're undermining the whole core basis of... um, of the left, which is that it's emotions that matter, not facts. Facts are hard. That's what right-wingers believe in is facts. Uh, but you should have a giant heart. Uh, you shouldn't worry too much about whether you're right or wrong. You should worry about whether you're pure of spirit. Uh, I mean, and that's why the left, I think, is so dangerous, because they end up basically chanting nonsense as though it made sense. All right, stay right there. We'll continue more with uh, New Kingrich as we continue. Sarah Carter, now Republicans are saying, yeah, we do need equal justice under the law, and yeah, we do need to investigate Hillary Clinton, and we can't have a two-tier justice system. Sarah Carter has an update on that when we get back. All right, as we continue, former Speaker of the House, New Kingrich is with us. Remember now, uh, how many weeks, what, 10, 11 weeks understanding Trump has been a New York Times bestseller, and it debuted at number one on the New York Times list. And I know you've, you've had a lot of best-selling books over the years. This has to rank among one of the best you've ever written. Yeah, this is the second best I've ever done, and I'm very grateful for everybody who's bought it. So far, it continues to sell. Really well, of course, partly because Trump is such a complex and fascinating person. I mean, it's, you know, understanding Trump is a pretty good title uh, just because people look up and go, what's he doing? Why is he doing it? And I always tell people that this book is not called Predicting Trump because I don't think it's possible to predict him. But I do think it's possible to understand him. And uh, I think that he is a remarkable figure. I think he's going to go down in history as a remarkable president. And, uh, I think that uh, people will find that they understand him somewhat better if they have a chance to look at something like understanding Trump. You know, one of the things you said earlier is that I, people like us that have followed all of this our entire lives, and you've you've lived it more than I have. I've I've been on the outside, but we've wanted to see the sewer drained. We wanted to see the swamp drained. And I, I don't think with great courage he has taken on every every single aspect of the establishment. And, and maybe it's the better part of wisdom now to just focus for the next 
three months, four months on just the agenda, just the economy, just the forgotten men and women. And if I think if he does that, this is a make or break time for his presidency. It's also make or break for Congress. Congress has another right. meltdown like they did on health care. I think they're in trouble. Oh, there's no question about that. You see that in all the polls. Uh, you see it in uh, the initial results in Alabama where people were voting to change things, not to not to stay the same. And I think this is this is across the board a real challenge. I think the uh, country has to recognize that we're in a we're in a pivotal moment here. The the American people, by a narrow but decisive margin, voted for profound change, and indicated that they really were tired of the way things have been going. Now you have um, a tremendous counterattack by the news media by the bureaucracies, uh, by the Democrats. Uh, and as a result, you know, you have an administration which, which is in, in many ways in the fight of its life. Uh, that, that's not necessarily terrible. I think this is the way real change occurs, and it requires that we have the courage uh, to stand up for what we believe and to fight for what we believe in. And I think if the president can build a team, and, and I like very much what's been happening uh, since uh, General John Kelly went in there, I think... You're seeing more stability, more focus, uh, and I think tonight is going to be a very impressive conversation. I think you and I will be on after the president's speech and have a chance to talk about it. But I do think you'll see a very presidential commander-in-chief speech tonight, which is what he should be doing. I mean, he is not a candidate right now. He is the president of the United States, and that is a position of enormous potential influence. So if if now that Russia, Russia, Russia seems to be coming to an end, and now they've switched from Russia, Russia to race, 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 um, I don't think the media is going to stop doing what they're going to do. But if the if the Congress, if Republicans, are you worried they will not get together? Because there's a, a strong enough contingent that just hates the president that are Republican. Well, I worry that they'll get together, but I think it's two-way street. I mean, we'll have a real test tomorrow night when he goes to Arizona. He has two Republican senators. He has a good reason to be irritated with both of them. Uh, one of them, of course, John McCain, has a very, very severe uh, health condition right now. Um, but... You know, I think he can go there and widen the wound with the two senators, or he can go there and hold on an olive branch and say, guys, we've got to work together in September. I hope he does the latter. You have a problem with him giving a pardon to Joe Arpaio. I think it's the right thing to do. Well, I think I'd have, I would have a panel that made that decision. I don't think he should personally do it, but I think he should appoint a panel that would decide that. I don't see a guy in his late 80s going to jail because of a fight with a liberal judge. Well, I think it's going to happen, and I think the reason is is that Joe Arpaio actually enforced the, the laws of the land. I mean, that's what it, the really right. the truth well, comes down I think. to. I think, I yeah. think you'd have a lot of sympathy for, for, for saving him from that experience. All right. Newt Gingrich, thanks for being with us. Favor that. Uh, his book, Understanding Trump, when we come back, we'll have a lot more. Uh, is there an equal a system of equal justice under the law or a two-tier justice system. Sarah Carter has breaking developments about now the Republicans in Congress slowly showing signs of doing their job. That's next, straight ahead.
Didn't the IRS scandal and the NSA atrocities convince you? You need a watchdog on Washington with insider sources. You need Hannity every day. I-25 till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone numbers, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. New palatial hidden studios today in light of the insanity, the threats of violence, and everything else out there against all things conservative. Uh, we have built a, well, let's just say a hidden Hannity studio within the ranks of New York, and it's beautiful, and I want to thank everybody for working so hard this weekend uh, to make all of this happen. It's been in the works now for a while. Uh, Glad you're with us. Um, We have been, as in the forefront, I think, in the media, there's been a few of us digging deep into what is, whether or not as a country we're going to have equal justice under the law, whether or not we're going to have a two-tier justice system. We have seen eight long months, unprecedented attacks against the president of the United States of America, five forces I've identified, the deep state, then, of course, the Democrats, the corrupt media, the abusively biased ideological media. Then you've got weak Republicans that really apparently have no identity, no agenda, and then never Trumpers, see, I told you so. They're dying for the day that they can say it or any day they try and say it. So these forces have existed out there. They've existed in the forms of unprecedented surveillance, unmasking, and leaking, especially as it relates to the Trump campaign. We're now beginning to get closer and closer to who the the very small percentage of people in the intelligence community that would use the weapons of intelligence against the American people or use them to gather political intelligence. We're now going to find more out about why Samantha Power the U.N. ambassador was unmasking. We're going to find out more what Susan Rice knew when she knew it. Ben Rhodes, what he knew, what he knew when he knew it. Uh, James Clapper, why he eased these these rules and allowed the opportunity to exist, considering the power and the weaponry of intelligence. Uh, was Brennan involved? We'll get to that. What did Obama know and Hillary know about any of this? But then again, on all the issues involving Hillary Clinton, and we know laws were violated with the email server in terms of intelligence, classified, top secret information, special access program information. Number one, it was mishandled, felony. It was destroyed, bleach bit, acid washed, and then 33,000 deleted emails, including top secret emails and classified emails and special access program information emails. Devices were destroyed, and whatever devices were handed over had no SIM cards. It looks like we may even get the final investigation into what I believe is going to be the biggest issue of all, which is Uranium One. Then, of course, we're going to talk about Trump-Russia collusion. Then we've got to talk about Ukrainian collusion and their attempts to influence the election in favor of Hillary and a DNC operative, paid operative, meeting at the Ukrainian embassy with the Ukrainian ambassador and Politico reporting that information went right back to the Clinton campaign and the DNC. And we're only beginning to touch the surface here on all of these issues. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and we're following it. And the people that have really been in the forefront of of breaking down these scandals and and getting one big breaking news story after another are Sarah Carter with Circa.com and John Solomon, who works for The Hill. Now, the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, Charles Grassley, he's now demanding plaintiffs on three separate lawsuits filed against President Trump, who claimed the president violated obscure constitutional provision on a particular clause and and so on and so forth. But he also goes on to say that it's now time to investigate 
Hillary Clinton and the State Department. He said there are multiple examples of potential corruption in the relationship between Clinton Foundation donors, foreign and domestic, and the State Department during Secretary Clinton's tenure. And he specifically cited in August 2016 that foreign governments donated heavily to the Clinton Foundation while simultaneously lobbying the this State Department while she was the Secretary of State. Anyway, the Office of Ethics is looking into other issues involving Hillary, and here to break it all down, Sarah Carter, who has the headlines, Senator Grassley says partisan lawsuits against President Trump should implicate Hillary Clinton. How are you, Sarah Carter? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you. And yes, uh, you know, Senator uh, Charles Grassley was looking at these three separate lawsuits. These are definitely people that are anti-Trump uh, lawsuits that were that were lifted against him, uh, both the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics, and then you have lawmaker John Conyers and Connecticut Democrat Senator Richard Brumenthal, who also have a separate lawsuit. They're basically going after Trump for saying that he's uh, profiting. Um, his businesses are profiting uh, as president, uh, that he should not have any connection whatsoever with his businesses. Well, when Senator Grassley took a good look at what they were suing him on, he said, wait a minute, there's so much more evidence in relation to um, then a former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and her husband Bill Clinton. And if that's the basis of your lawsuit, well, then we need to investigate this because there's actual evidence of this uh, based on their joint uh, income tax returns. And, he and you go through this in your uh, column in listing. great specificity, right? And, and by the way, and, and you didn't even include the 145 million-dollar donations, in, in donations we got after she had signed off on the Uranium One deal. Now, the $145 million is, I'd like to know where that money came from. I mean, do we know for sure it was the people in Canada that also had had financial interests in the Uranium One deal? Because a lot of it seems to all be connected. Did they, don't, did they have those funds themselves? Did we follow the money trail on those issues? Well, I think that there's a lot of people looking at where that money came from. And I can tell you this also within our federal law enforcement agencies, which have been investigating this for quite some time. And remember, this has never actually been closed. This investigation, from what I have been told, has never been closed into the Clinton Foundation. So that still remains open. Whether it's active, I don't know. Um, I've been trying to find that out myself. But I do know that people are looking into it. And there are a lot of concerns about how that money reached the Clinton Foundation and where it was moved through. Could it have been moved from Russian sources or Russian persons through other foundations? We don't know that yet, or through other entities into the foundation. That's something that still needs to be investigated. But what we do know is that we know that on their joint tax returns, right, on their joint tax returns, there is money that can be seen. 175000 from a city government in Canada, $500,000 from the Abu Dhabi Global Environment Data Initiative. $500,000 from a Russian government-aligned investment bank. And remember, Sean, that investment bank, and according to people in Grassley's office and people who were attending a hearing that he held, the people connected with the bank were actually people that belonged to the FSB, which is the former KGB. These are uh, their, their CIA, right? Russia's CIA. So these were people that were connected, and they received $500,000 in uh, Bill Clinton specifically for a speech. 
$200,000 uh, from uh, a speech. By the way, that, that, that speech came from a Russian government. government. The five hundred grand, which was twice his normal speaking fee, and it, well, it came Correct. from a Russian government-aligned investment bank. And it came at a time that seemed suspicious, and especially in terms of the Iranian One deal. Yeah, absolutely. And if you if you look at the hearing, um, Grassley held a hearing this year that, that focused in on this bank, and this is a this is a statement from one of the officials, and 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 as noted by Grassley in the letter that he sent to all of these people who have put these lawsuits against uh, President Trump, he said, "Well, if you just look at this bank alone, Renaissance is a Russian investment bank whose senior officers include former FSB Russian intelligence personnel. As such, sources have described the bank as an extension of the Russian government." as most all of the banks in Russia are controlled in some manner by the Kremlin. Yet, mum's the word, nobody made a big deal about the fact that, you know, former President Bill Clinton received half a million dollars for a speaking engagement from these folks, and it was filed in a joint income tax return while she was Secretary of State. That should raise concern. Well, look at Cutter. I mean, they donated a million to the Clinton Foundation on Bill Clinton's birthday while Clinton was Secretary of State, Hillary, the nation was the uh, recipient of approximately, what, $4.3 billion. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing that really bothered me is, you know, the Saudis gave $10 million, and that was a 97% increase, et cetera, of, of money that they had given in the past when she becomes Secretary of State. And, okay, and, and she's the, the champion of women's rights and gays' rights and religious freedom, but look at how the Saudis persecute women and persecute and kill gays and lesbians and persecute Christians and Jews. So it's great hypocrisy, but it's probably a lot deeper. True. And remember, there was a lot of concern, too. You mean Saudi Arabia, the majority of the 9-11, I mean, if we go back all the way to September 11, 2001, they were from Saudi Arabia. You know, Osama bin Laden was from Saudi Arabia. We know that there were a lot of issues in the kingdom with Wahhabism, which was the extreme form of Islamic belief. And so there were a lot of concerns there, and nobody really addressed those issues. We know we've been partnering with our Saudi partners and allies, as well trying to find a way to mitigate this, but we haven't been able to. If you just go back to Qatar really quickly, I mean, that was, think about this, during that time, it, she got the million dollars for the Clinton Foundation on Clinton's birthday. They got eventually $4.3 billion worth of sales. They were the recipient of that. That was a 1,482% increase, increase wow. since wow. prior to Clinton being Secretary of State. That's huge. So, if you just look at everything and you line it up, Sean, I mean, there's a lot of questions there, and people need answers. Um, like you said, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people seeking out these answers right now, but we know Senator Grassley is one of them, and he is expecting to receive um, uh, some responses to his letters from those that he sent them to. All right, well, stay right there. We'll have more with Sarah Card. I want to get an update on unmasking, but, you know, it's all praise to Senator Chuck Grassley because what he's saying here is we can't enforce these things impartially without regard for power, privilege, or party. And that's been my argument now for a long time. He said selective efforts to enforce whatever particular laws or clauses smack of partisan political bias. Is he like the only person that is now understanding that you can't have two-tiered justice systems and equal, you have to have equal justice under the law? That's why Hillary getting away with all the things that she has done has got to end.
as we continue, Sarah Carter, Circa News, is with us. Big breaking news today. Senator Grassley saying, okay, we can't have a two-tier justice system. We need equal justice under the law. The very thing that we have been saying repeatedly on this program. I wanted to also, Sarah, while I had you, get an update on the unmasking. Now that we know investigations exist into Samantha Power, Ben Rhodes, Susan Rice, uh, James Clapper, I think, is getting a little bit of investigation going on. And then we have the general counsel of the FBI and James Comey. What's going on with all of those? Well, that, that's a long list, but it starts with today. So today, the National Security Agency was expected to deliver information uh, to the House Intelligence Committee on Ben Rhodes and unmasking. Remember, I broke that story about a week and a half ago that Ben Rhodes was now emerging as a person of interest in the House Intelligence Committee's investigation. Uh, the letter that they had sent to the National Security Agency asked that they deliver to the committee how many times Rhodes unmask anyone, any American, between January 1st, 2016 and January 20th, 2017. So they want the whole year of unmaskings. They want to know if he was privy to classified information, what information was that, who was he looking at. Many of the same questions that they had with regard to former U.N. Ambassador Samantha Power, as well as National Security Advisor uh, Susan Rice. Uh, Clapper, there are also uh, many questions with regard to uh, James Clapper. They want to know how, you know, how they maneuvered this, how they made this possible, why were so many people within the Obama administration apparently, apparently, remember, and allegedly unmasking Americans, specifically people um, within the Trump campaign. Uh, I think a really important point, Sean, to bring up here is the fact that when you talk and when I speak with intelligence officials, analysts who maybe have to unmask, which they say is very rare. They Why would Samantha Power need to unmask hundreds of Trump people in the, an election year like this? We don't, we don't know. We don't have the answers yet. We don't know if it was hundreds of Trump people. What we know she did was unmask hundreds of people. Now, who those people were, we do not know yet. Some have been named out, like it's called, people have said they were connected to the Trump campaign or to now people within the Trump administration. But that still remains highly classified. And I think that's why the House Intelligence Committee is so staunch on interviewing each one of these people and getting the information that they need from the National Security Agency. Well, I want to get the information if I was unmasked so I can file a lawsuit against every one of these people. Well, remember, we talked about that before, Sean. I mean, uh, you know, it's very possible, and people have said, and I know you've heard it as well, that that you were probably uh, unmasked as well in intercepts, overseas intercepts, um, speaking to foreign persons. So that would be very interesting. Um, Remember that— Well, but if it's it's beyond that, I hear it may even be beyond that, and if it is, wouldn't that be illegal? Don't I have four— Fourth Amendment protections. Yes, you do have Fourth Amendment protection rights. And if there is evidence that somebody has violated those Fourth Amendment protection rights, yes, you would be able to take recourse. But getting that information is something altogether different. All right. Sarah Carter has been doing great work. Sarah, we're going to continue to monitor and we'll do the media's job because they're never going to get to it. Sarah, thank you. We appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program from our new palatial studios, hidden and never to be found. It's the Sean Hannity Show. We'll continue. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour. Now, I want to show you, and I actually thought this was an incredible moment, and when I tweeted out support, I think it's right to stand up against bigotry, hatred, racism, white supremacy. 
And there were a lot of videos I saw, and I thought the 99% of people this weekend that were peaceful, and we saw the clashes with police, but a tiny, tiny percentage of agitators, some representing whatever individual groups they represent, it's neither here nor there. There was a moment where a Trump supporter was going through a crowd with a Make America Great hat again, and there were some that were, you know, they knocked his hat off, and he, this guy said, you know, if I, I remember, I don't remember the video. I think he was a minority. I don't remember. Um, and I watched it earlier this weekend. Anyway, so shout it down. But there were people there that said, hey, hey, leave this guy alone. No violence. And, you know, and, and literally yet another Trump supporter that was escorted by police to be protected from those that were on the absolute hard left and these are some of the incidents that took place but the 99 percent of people they protested peacefully and they were there to protest what they said is racism and bigotry and white supremacy and for that i applaud them now it was the oddest thing about the whole weekend is you know, i i never saw the crowd from what i saw the people that were at the free speech rally i only saw highlights of one speaker who was talking about the need to all be united. And and again, I didn't see a lot of it. It was only a tiny blur, but I don't know what happened because the TV stations didn't air it. And then you've got an Antifa person cursing out a Trump supporter and Antifa protesters telling a black female police officer, you're supposed to be on our side. And then we got some of the sounds of Antifa. And what I'm saying is you, you literally have in these events, you do have agitators. But the good part is that was not the representative group of people that p- protested peacefully for all the right reasons. And you got to give an awful lot of kudos to the mayor of Boston and to the police department. They did their job and they had people getting in their grill and their face coming up to them, pushing them, shoving them. And it's amazing how prepared they were and how professional they were. And how nobody, as far as I know, got hurt in this thing. But the, but those agitators were the, were the small amount. That was not the overwhelming 99%. And for that, that, that's, that makes America strong to stand up against racism and bigotry and hatred. And if people want to want to do that, I support them. And some of you got mad at me this weekend because I said... Yeah, it's it makes America strong when people speak out against white supremacy, racism and bigotry for, you know, whatever the protest was about. Anyway, let's let's play some of these sounds and bring you up to speed. I will have your identity and your name. I will be donating to everything you stand against. Everything. No violence. shows the out of our town. I want to show that people shouldn't be afraid to voice their other views and voice their opinions. You shouldn't be afraid to go outside and say you're conservative. It's pretty sad that things like this happen. This is getting out of hand right now. These are the same guys I just interviewed like five minutes ago. And now they're being This is unbelievable. They need a police escort to get out of here. This place is absolutely chaotic. They have been now followed for, I'd say, several hundred feet being led out of the Boston Common. I mean, this is unbelievable. Everyone tripping over each other. Police. This is not what we were expecting here. But 
Trump supporters now being escorted out of the Boston Common. I just spoke to them a few moments ago. They thought everything would be fine, but suddenly... We didn't want what happened in, um, you know, in Virginia to happen here. We didn't want them at each other's throat. You know, also, there was a lot of talk in the week leading up about bottles being thrown with urine at our offices. And I wanted to make sure that they, you know, that you had to have a good arm to basically throw and get at them. So, you know, we basically wanted them separated. And uh, I'm sorry to report, we did have some bottles thrown at our offices that did have urine in it. Um, a couple of our officers were hit with that. They were hit with a lot of stuff today, and I'm very proud of the job they did, and it goes to the professionalism of this department. Joining us now, the Reverend C.L. Bryant is back with us, and Dr. Wendy Yosefo, Professor of Education, John Hopkins University, and uh, welcome both of you back to the program. Appreciate you being here. You know, Thank Reverend, you. I, I, I applaud when people speak out against racism and bigotry and white supremacy and hatred, and, and that's why, you know, when I went through Donald Trump's history of doing that over the many, many years, nobody else in the media did that, and nor did they cover his statements from Saturday when he called it evil, nor did they cover his statements on Monday when he spoke out forcefully and effectively. And it, it just seems like they forgot his comments during the election when he said over and over and over and over and over and over again that he de- deplores this. And so if protesters are going to peacefully go out there and stand out for those things, I, I support them. Absolutely, Sean. And what the president is actually doing is protecting the First Amendment right. It's a profound right that we have as Americans. I must protect the skinhead's right to speak if I want to speak myself. And the important thing for us all to remember is when Dr. King and other civil rights leaders were marching through the South in the 50s and 60s, those monuments were there. And they did not pay any attention to the monuments because there was a much bigger job to be done, and that is to create jobs and equality for people who needed it. And this is a step backwards, and it's amazing how the anti-fascists are being fascist when it comes to the First Amendment rights. And black people who voted for Obama or the Clintons, they have forgotten the Confederate flag 
stickers that had Clinton and Gore on them back then. It is the height of well, hypocrisy. I mean, you know, CL, Reverend Bryant, you're, you bring up a good point because Hillary Clinton, and I can play it, I've been playing it, you know, says that the former Klansman, Robert Byrd, was her mentor. And Bill Clinton said over and over and over and over again, a guy that sound, signed the Southern Manifesto was against the Civil Rights Act. J. William Fulbright was his mentor. If you look at a lot of these these monuments that we're talking about, Democrats put them up. They're not Republicans that put them up. Uh, and if you take it even a step further than that, if you look at the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, it was a majority of Republicans that supported it. And Democrats like Al Gore's father were nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be Absolutely. found. And, and, and Dr. Osefo, I mean, that's that's the history. And how does Hillary get away with saying her mentor is a former Klansman and and Bill Clinton, his mentor is a, uh, a former segregationist who didn't support the Civil Rights Act. And he picked a guy whose father didn't support the Civil Rights Act. Great question. However, yeah. it's not just the Clintons that have a checker. No, you're going you're gonna to say great question, and then you're going to move on to attacking Trump. No, I'm answering I'm your saying, question, but if you let me finish, then I'll give you an answer. It's I'm a great waiting. question, but it's not only the Clintons who have a checker past. We know that. That is a valid point. However, this is the same president whose father was arrested at a KKK rally. And then we have this individual on the phone who is saying, you know, I think that the people in the Civil Rights era had bigger fish to fry than Confederate monuments. Well, excuse me, they were getting chased down by dogs. They were getting lynched. So, of course, monuments were not the first thing on their agenda. But just like they say in the military, how do you eat a well, wait a what, what was the party? Wait, wait, wait. What was so, the party? You're not, you see, you're missing the main point here. George Wallace, schoolhouse door, Democratic Party. Again, if you're going to look at the history, Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, I lived in Atlanta. I got to know a lot of these historic figures uh, from from Maynard Jackson, who welcomed me my first day to Atlanta on the air, uh, to Andy Young, to Joseph Lowry, to, you know, uh, Hosea Williams, to all these great civil rights icons. And listen, I knew John Lewis. You just can't nothing but admire the courage this man has showed his whole life, Um, although we disagree politically. So what? And I'm just saying to you, you're talking about the Democratic Party's history here. And you, every election year, two to four years, Wendy, that race card is played by the Democrats. Republicans are racist and sexist and black churches are going to burn. And it's like my father died all over again. And Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't even want to count you in the census. And I've got all the tapes of every candidate every election year playing that lie because it's not true. I'm a conservative, and I believe we're, we're God's children created by one God, Reverend. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back more with C.L. Bryant, the Reverend C.L. Bryant, and Dr. Wendy Osefo. More on our debate over the weekend and the issue of Black Lives Matter and much, much more. And uh, as we continue, the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, the Reverend C.L. Bryant is with us and Dr. Wendy Osefo. Sean, if I may, let me say this. I'm 61 years old, grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. I have drank from colored water fountains. I have written on the back of the bus. And it's a shame that you're saying these viewpoints if you've done all of that. I have done all of that, but that has not stopped me from being an American success story. It has not 
stop me from being a former president of the NAACP. Who says race stops you from being an American success story? Why are you race-baiting? That's not the issue here. It doesn't matter what race you are. You can still be successful. No one is saying that. We're talking about people who have policies. I'm not going to let that go. You're accusing a pastor of race-baiting. Nothing he said there is race-baiting. It is race-baiting. He just said, I grew up in the 60s and I am able to be successful. That's basically saying that he overcame obstacles because of his color and was still successful. Well, let me ask you a question. Is it appropriate? Barack Obama as president invited the head of Black Lives Matter. We have the tape. Large, I'll play it for you because you can hear the sound and the loudness of it all. What do we want dead cops? When do we want them now? Why would a president of the United States invite somebody associated in the, the head of that organization to his White House like Obama did? First of all, when those comments were made, Black Lives Matter denounced it immediately. Second of all, Sean, I've been Black on your show Lives Matter times, that and made I them. What are you talking you, about? I always tell you this, Sean, and I'll say it again. My brother, currently serving NYPD, my my grandfather, retired captain of the you're police not, force. I, I, I have applaud the them. What does that have to do with my officers. question? I applaud your it brother. It has everything to do with I, your question because it has. They they also support Black Lives Matter. So let's not make this Black Lives Matter versus cops. No, that's not what this is. If Donald you're, Trump. You're invi- wait a minute. If Donald Trump invited a member of that group or a member of a similar group that shouted something equally offensive. And un, uh, frankly, unforgivable. You can't go out and shout you want dead cops. Excuse I guarantee me, you, you Wendy, I guarantee you, you'd be all over Donald Trump for inviting and associating himself with that person. These are all right members in the United States House, the White House. Are you okay. serious? You, you, you don't see okay. Are you serious? Here? If Donald Trump invited a group of people that said anything, se- I'm, I'm talking. In- Anything similar that they want dead cops now, you are telling me that you wouldn't be outraged and and on TV and radio and blasting Donald Trump? Why won't you be intellectually honest and say Obama did the wrong thing? This is the thing, Sean. You see, they always want to change the conversation. The fact of the matter is any black person who co-signs Antifa, anti-fascist and a movement and also want to co-sign people who would be against the First Amendment right that all of us Americans have fought and struggled to keep is intellectually dishonest. That is absolutely dishonest. The the, the proof of it is this. She has an entirely different uh, viewpoint than I do. I applaud her right to say what she wants to say. In fact, I will defend it to the death. And she should have the same opinion of my right to say what I need to say as well. I do. I respect I respect his right. I respect his right to say what he has to say. And, Sean, this is probably the only place we will ever agree. As long as it is peaceful, as long as we obey the law, I, I am okay. We have the First Amendment. So whether you're on the right or the left, 
you have that right. That's why make that's what makes this country so great. And I well, that's why that's, that's why I praise the peaceful protesters. And by the way, there were some rabble rousers there, but they weren't the ninety nine percent of people. The ninety nine percent were peaceful. I applaud them, and they were there for the right reasons. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is a toll free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Talking about what's right for America with a renewed commitment to keep you up to date on the breaking news stories. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800 941 Sean. If you want to be a part of the program, let me play for you the hysteria of a media that ignored all the years, all the times, even during this campaign, the president disavowing. Hatred, bigotry, racism, they just totally, completely, and utterly ignore it. White supremacism, David Duke. And then I want to play for you this, well, you have this, I guess, state senator that is in Missouri, and whether or not she is going to be able to keep her job now has become a big issue here. We're going to talk with the lieutenant governor in just a second, uh, but we're going to play a, a cut of her unwilling to even say that she's sorry and that she apologized for saying she wishes the president was assassinated. You know, this is a it's a tough night. Um, I think for normal people, you got a lot of people at home uh, going through Kleenex right now. Uh, you got a lot of people at home who are keeping their kids away from TV tonight uh, because we're spiraling away from each other. I don't know what to say tonight. I usually have something clever, or something smart. I'm just hurt. I'm sitting here hurt. And I think a lot of people are hurt tonight. It was disturbing, Don. You know, I think we saw the president's true colors today, and and I'm not sure they were red, white, and blue. It was inappropriate. I've said that three times now. Are you apologizing for it? No. When the president apologizes for what he says, I'll apologize. But you go as far to say your your statement was inappropriate. Yes. You're not apologizing. It was inappropriate. It was wrong. I posted it to my personal Facebook page, and I deleted it. But you're not apologizing. No. All right, joining us now is the Lieutenant Governor, Mike Parson, is with us. He's with the great state of Missouri, and he made a comment about State Senator Chappelle Nadal, and uh, welcome to the program, sir. I mean, you hear the media and the things they're saying, and she wouldn't apologize for this statement. What's going to happen next? Well, Sean, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, but uh, more importantly, thanks for drawing attention to this issue for the state of Missouri, because... She doesn't deserve to be a state senator in our state. I mean, it's totally disrespectful to the people of Missouri. And anytime you make a comment that you want this president of the United States to be assassinated, is just not acceptable. It's unexcusable for us in this state. And, uh, you know, when you're elected official, you know, there's consequences to your actions. And I know some politicians don't believe that. But I think it is our job to make sure that she's held responsible for what she said. And I don't think she deserved to sit in the Missouri Senate chamber. I think she needs to be expelled. And the sooner we can do that, the better. And rules in the Senate chamber within the legislature, legislative branch allow for this to happen, correct? That is correct. It was done in 1945. It's not very seldom done. But I sure think this warrants it uh, to, to, this, to this issue because any time... 
that a sitting state senator, no matter where you are, and you ask for the assassination of the president of the United States, it is almost to the highest level of when we should use this to take somebody out. And regardless who the president is, regardless what their last name is, doesn't matter. They're the commander-in-chief of our country and the president of the United States, and that's who you're asking to be assassinated. And it's just, uh, uh, unfortunately, a shame that uh, she said the things she did, and it's our job to, to try to make sure she pays. Walk us, she is walk us through, Mr. Her. Lieutenant Governor, walk us through the process that will go on from here, because, I, look, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you got Madonna talking about blowing up the White House. you got Johnny Depp talking about assassinating. When's the last time an actor assassinated a president? Then you got other people like Robert De Niro and, and so many others. I can't even make the long laundry list that want to c- commit acts of violence against the president. And from my understanding, those are, are things that could be prosecutable. And these are people that could be in really big trouble if, in fact, we were enforcing the laws of the country. That's exactly right. The Secret Service has already opened a case into this. I know they're investigating that. And I think there will be some action there because it was a threat to the presidency of the United States. But that's up to them and the federal prosecutors to decide. But, Sean, I was in law enforcement for over 20 years. And all the time, people would come in the next day and say, I wish I hadn't have done that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. But, you know, too little, too late. The average citizen out here is responsible for their actions, what they do. Politicians should be held to the same standard. And she has to take accountability for her action. And our job is to get two-thirds majority in the Senate and ask her to be expelled from the Senate. And at the end of the day, I think we will get that done in Missouri. I, I will be terribly disappointed if we don't. All right. I want to thank you for your time. That's Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson on the Sean Hannity Show. Uh, how many more times are we going to have this president, threats of violence that are made against him? It is beyond outrageous. And how this has gotten away with is beyond any explanation I could ever give you. Um, you know, over, it was funny because over the weekend, Hannity, and I saw this on Twitter, so I mean, Hannity, well, you never said that about Obama. Well, you know, Linda, put your mic on. I mean, how many times can you remember and recall I said, yeah, we have our huge political disagreements. We've got to protect the president and all elected officials, because I, I think I've had to say it dozens of times. No, you've said oh. it quite a bit. And I mean, you were you were actually emphatic about it. You know, the fact that regardless of who our president is, whether you disagree, agree, what have you, it is our obligation to protect the president of the United States and his family and all of the cabinet members. That's our job as a nation to protect our elected officials. Well, it's an attack on our country. You know, I, I, I saw Obama as duly elected. I see Trump as duly elected. And you see the forces that have aligned against the president. What are you, t- you telling me in my ear you have tape of me? What did you say you have? Yeah, yeah. We have some tape of you from when you... Um, oh, great. I love hearing my own voice. I know I you love, hate it. but my favorite thing in the world. But listen, you know, the tape doesn't lie. So let the American people hear that you play, Oh, you by know. the way, I can't tell the story on air, but I did... I did text Linda's mom last Friday about Linda's behavior and your mom sided with me your mom I am, said I am shocked I to right. hear my mother an avid Sean Hannity fan would side against no, but, me and uh, with but, you well I now figured out that I have a nuclear weapon against you all I have to do is go to mom I'm gonna tell mom everything she's, now. she's, she's a like my new woman. BFF we now no 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 we have our own little texting group going back and forth we me and her we bonded we're all good Congratulations. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, what did she say to you this weekend after I had ratted you out? She said you were her new favorite.
<laughs> and you've been her favorite your whole life. I have. I was the firstborn, and now I am the second to you. Well, I, I actually cut you slack because I was going to re- report you. We're, we're obviously in this new hidden studio that we built of ours, and, and so I asked you to delegate a lot of the work, and you don't listen. So I was going to rat you out on that, but I just figured I'm I gonna... delegated a ton of work, and Ethan, Lauren, Jason, uh, Clay, John, everybody was What's the was first thing busting. I said to everybody this weekend? What's the first words that came out of my mouth today? When I got on the Thank mic. you? Yes. I said, thank you. I know we, everybody worked hard this weekend. I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to make it up to you. I want to I give extra days off to everybody. Didn't I say that? You did indeed. Is your memory that short? My memory is not short at all. I'm answering every question that you're asking me with the appropriate response. All right. So what's the tape you gathered on me? So Let me play I'm, it for you because it's very good. Mr. Speaker, you're going to have strong feelings about this. We've now learned that this guy that broke into the White House... Not only did he get in the door, but he knocked down a Secret Service agent, went into the three different rooms of the White House, and passed the stairs that would have gone right up to the, the residence of, of the Obamas. That is extraordinarily chilling to me. Well, yeah. I mean, we're ta- you're talking about protecting the President of the United States of America, and it's just there's no room for error. You've got to protect our president. That, that represents the free world. So they've got a very difficult job. They've got to almost be perfect. And anytime any incident happens, uh, lately it's becoming pretty high profile. Well, and, and if we're not protecting our president, we're not protecting our leaders, we've got a big problem. The rest of the world is watching this. Why did you get those? You just decided to pull them up for no reason? You know, we like to be prepared here at the Sean Hannity Show, and we anticipate <laughs> that people are going to say certain things were never said. So we just keep a little right. collection and notes and, you know, carefully right, detailed. Just ask the staff, because you were so hesitant in responding. To, what's it, Lauren? Uh, by the way, Lauren didn't tell the audience that she upped my score when Linda was away for a week to 95, didn't you? You made an improvement. I was, no, for the week I got a 95. You said you didn't want to say it on the air, but you told me privately it's really a 95. Why did you give me an 80 on air or 75? I just like to mess with you sometimes. You are a 95. Oh. You're always a 95. Sometimes you're a 100. Sometimes you're 110. <laughs> Okay, now you're so what is the first thing I said to everybody when I got on the mic today? Well, first thing I said, thank you. Everyone needs to take time off now. And I said, everyone gets extra extra time off, right? It was very nice of you. And I said, Linda needs to take the most time. Jason, did I say that? Yes, you did, sir. And Ethan, I said that? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Oh, I can see you're all prepared to. to no, put the problem. You see, on. the problem is, let's have a little problem come to Jesus is, with the audience. What? We're in audience? a new studio today. Not everything is working the way that it should, unfortunately. And, and who is the uh, one person that is not getting wigged out about it? You, which is amazing. Just, no, it's not amazing because I know how difficult it is. We've been through ch- studio changes before, and I just came in with my patient hat because I know everybody was working hard, and it's inevitable. You get a new studio, it's never going to work perfectly. It's impossible. I've been doing this thirty years. A new studio. I think I have the eclipse to thank for this new take on uh, perspective today. I want to thank the universe for providing the eclipse today. No, 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 no. Anything good I do is because of your mother. Oh, well then. Well, thank you, Mom and the eclipse. It, no, because your mom is my new BFF. By the way, uh, BFF, th- I know that the crew is looking at you like, what? He wrote your mother? Yeah, everyone's wrote a little your like, mom? what's going on? <laughs> she's a powerful woman, man, I tell you. I like Linda's no. mom. Oh, I not text with her. You text with her, too? 
Occasionally. Well, she texts with the whole team. I mean, she texts. Yeah, everybody. you're not that special, Sean. <laughs> well, according according to according to Linda, I'm new, the new favorite. So that's what she told me. She said, "Me, me she did not she say that." She said, "She said, I just want to tell you, I love you very much, but." Sean and I are new besties, and you're just going to have to take a backseat for a while. And I said, okay, Mom. Oh, no, I won't win the war. I mean, you're, you're blood. Okay. I, I, you you I can win one win battle. That. I'll take the I, war. Listen, no, I'm going to, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it and move it so that, you know, all, you, Linda was so distracted. So I'm trying to, to, to make new business arrangements, and you wouldn't pay attention. So finally, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to text your mother. And I texted your mother, and it worked. And then your mother starts making excuses for you, which I found hilarious. All right, let's get to I don't to know if phones. I would call them excuses, but okay. Oh, no, they were excuse. Well, one was an excuse. Uh-huh. No, it's just, well, the, I, the excuse is the wrong word. You're right. She was defending you by giving me context and texture. Is well that better? Well said, boss. Well said. I'm Again, so, thank I'm you, Solar Eclipse. All right. All right. Uh, let's go to Sheldon is in Massachusetts in Bridgewater. What's up, Sheldon? How are you? Glad you called. Hello, Sean. You've been talking about the alt-left, and I, I don't think it actually exists as the alt-left. And I'll tell you what I think. The alt-right, there are people out there, white supremacists, KKK, extremists on the far right, that take parts of what conservatism is and try and claim it. And at those points, people like you, myself, even the president of the United States come out and say, they're not one of us. We condemn that. On the other side of the issue, though, when an extremist group like Black Lives Matter burns down Baltimore, or they kill policemen in Dallas or Ferguson. President Obama. I don't Obama, know if they. I don't. I, I don't media. recall that. Wait, well, I I know that they've been involved in agitation and these extremist groups, and we know about Antifa and things they've been involved in. I don't remember specific blame given to those groups in the Dallas incident. Linda, do you remember that? I don't remember that at all. But but listen, we know what they. We know who these groups are. We know Black Lives Matter said we want dead cops and we want them now. I just don't remember them being involved in the Dallas case. In the uh, press conference that President Trump had last week where he, he blamed both sides and he said both sides are wrong, the media immediately got their back up and started complaining about it. And I think the real reason is because they don't disavow anything that an extremist does on their side. They embrace it. They say, well, they have a reason to do it. There, there's something wrong in their culture or in their lives that are causing them to do it. Unlike those well, on the extreme right. And so for that reason, I say that they're, all of the, what we are calling, or you are calling the alt-left, they're just mainstream leftists or mainstream liberals. Look, listen, one of the things that I noticed over the weekend, I the majority of the protesters, you know, are are 99 percent of them. They're there and they were protesting with a what for something good against racism and against prejudice and against bigotry. Now, as a conservative, I am against racism and prejudice and bigotry. And the best part is the 99 plus percent were well-behaved. Now, I saw the clashes with the cops. I saw a Trump guy walking through the crowd. And in spite of some people being hostile, there were others saying, hey, leave that guy alone. And I was proud of the people that said, leave that guy alone. No violence. So those were protesters. Maybe I disagree with some of them politically, but I stand with them. I'm against bigotry and I'm against racism. And this false caricature and false narrative about conservatives all this year has been a big lie. And Democrats have used this as part of their election strategy for too many years. And I just I am not going to allow them to hijack conservatism and turn it into something it is not. 
There's no conservative that I know that is a racist and a bigot. And if they are, I want nothing to do with them, period. That's why if you're going to protest peacefully, good, because this it's an evil and a sickness for people to be that twisted and not understand we're all God's children. And I'm a Christian, and that's what I believe. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. That's going to wrap things up for today. Now, the president is going to give a big Oval Office address tonight on Afghanistan, Korea, and the safety and security of our homeland. We'll uh, be covering that at 9. We'll have full, complete reaction to that at 10. The events over the weekend as well. And uh, we'll also have a wide variety of guests. Newt Gingrich reacts and much, much more. That's 10 Eastern tonight. Hannity, Fox News. Hope you'll join us. Thank you for being with us as always. And we'll see you tonight at 10 and back here tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.